Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown show. A show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Bayodun Abudu was born in the state of Rhode Island, but comes from a Nigerian background. This entrepreneur, artist, designer, author, and poet currently calls Manhattan home after spending several years in Chicago. His paintings feature his love for fashion, world culture, music, his personal influences, and more. Many of his designs reflect his love for Africa, as well as other indigenous peoples, including the Mayan culture. He has a deep appreciation of women whose strengths, resiliency, and perseverance often goes unnoticed. His painting, Peripheries of Womanhood, was inspired by everything that makes a woman, from the body movement to the body type to the different inner layers that makes a phenomenal woman. His books, Tales of My Skin and Stolen Sanity, are both based on true life stories. They touch on forbidden topics that are swept under the rug and are hidden in the dark with the cruel intentions to silence an individual with fear. He also has a passion for landscape and architectural photography, which he showcases as well. April is National Poetry Month. Biodun will be reading from his two books of poetry, Open Letters from Within and Forbidden Scriptures. Open Letters from Within is a poetry book that touches on pain, recovery, and love. The poems are letters which are inspired from personal experiences and stories from individuals he's met. Forbidden Scriptures is an erotic poetry book that openly and creatively discusses sex. Biodon, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. Well, I generally just like to start easily, like, how have you been? (laughs) (laughs) I've been good, you know, just staying safe and sane, creating, you know, researching and, you know, communicating with friends, making sure everyone is good. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's just, like, so important now. And, you know, i like to, to go back over how I found out about you. Um, I know that you've been nominated for an Esteem Award. And um, yes. I know Phil Esteem is a, a good friend of mine. In fact, we met through the Esteem Awards. I received one. Uh, we, we were friends first, and then one day he called me and said, you know, you're going to get this award. I'm going, like, oh, wow, really? 
So, um, wow. as, he was, you know, as he's starting to, you know, get together people to um, nominate and to, he feels a worthwhile, we often share people back and forth. And he told me about you, and he said, you know, the the art that you did was just, like, amazing to him, and he thought that you'd be an excellent guest. And I said, oh, okay. So I went and started to look at, you know, some of the work that you did. And you have a very interesting background. I see that you were born in Rhode Island, right? But you yes. have Nigerian roots. How did your yes, family I do. come to how did your family come to be in, in or, or basically you, how did you come to be in Rhode Island? Well, my mom and my dad um left from Nigeria and they settled in Rhode Island and um, you know, that's where I was giving birth to and I Stayed for about four years, so I went to Nigeria when I was about four or five to start high school, to start in kindergarten, and after I finished um, secondary school, we call it secondary school, so after I finished high school, which is equivalent to high school over here, that's when I came back to um, go to university, college over here. Um, so, you know, I between Rhode Island to Nigeria, they're from Nigeria to London, they're from London to Chicago, then from Chicago to New York, where I am now. Mm-hmm. So, wow. So, you know, I've been <laughs> here and there. <laughs> uh-huh. So, do you have a favorite city? Right now, I, I, I'm loving New York. I, I'm really uh-huh. loving New York. Yes, right now. <laughs> Uh, I know for me it's always a toss-up between Chicago and New York. I am in Michigan, but um, I think that if you had to say I've spent a lot of time in Chicago, I have family in New York, I go back and forth between the two. Is that when you met Mm -hmm. Phil while you were living in Chicago? Yes, definitely. I was in Chicago for a while, like at least maybe like seven to eight years. I was there for a while. Wow. And were you going to school then? Mm-hmm. Yes, I was going to school there. I, I studied merchandise and management, and I took a couple of art classes. So a lot of the things that I do today originated from Chicago. That's when I started most of the things that I, that I do business-wise now. Wow. You know, what's your goal initially to, to go into art, or did you just want to stay in the management end? Actually, um, it was to start like a fashion company, um, which I operate now. I just started two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So originally I studied um, fashion design, and then I went to merchandise and management afterwards um, to the business side of fashion. And mm-hmm. actually I've started to you know, put that to use now with uh, my boutique that I operate now. So, And then when it came to the art side of it, I didn't think I would get into that. It just just started randomly. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just started randomly because the most experience I had from school or any class was the fashion sketching. So my knowledge and my knowledge from and my skills from the fashion sketching was what helped me to create artwork that I do now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm looking at your art. And and like mm-hmm. Phil said, I mean, you have a lot of representation of women um, who are clearly from the African diaspora. Um, yes. What what attracts you to to that? I mean, I'm looking at the I mean, there the silhouette. There's 
mm-hmm. that looks like it's the Last Supper, but it's all women with different head head wraps. What got you into doing focusing on and so much you have these women figures in your art? You know, um, different things. Um, you know, when I, I'm I come from a Christian background, and I feel like in the Bible or when we're doing Sunday school um, lessons, a lot of that is so focused on the men. I never get mm-hmm. to hear about the ladies except for just Mary. That's the most that I heard about. So when it came to my artwork, I wanted to represent women and, you know, just focus on women, like their strength, their contribution to society, and all the things I learned from them. Um, appreciate who they are, everything. So that's what I wanted to bring to my art. And uh, there's a piece of mine that I call Her Last Supper. It's from the mm-hmm. Last Supper, inspired by the Last Supper. And I made it all females because I felt like, again, most of it was so focused on the men. It made me feel like, well, who, whoever wrote the Bible just really focused on the men, never really spoke about women. So I was like, you know, with my artwork, I just wanted to focus on women and show their appreciation for women. I mean, I'm looking at that one now, which I love, and it's like the fact that the women are in all these different colors and and their head wraps. I mean, are just like gorgeous. I mean, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. You know, inspired from back home in Nigeria, um, a lot of our women, um, they're like three main cultures, Yoruba, Igbo, Hausa, and they all had like, the different um, cultural head wraps that they used. So that's what, you know, inspired me. And I, I love including them in my um, artworks as well. Mm-hmm. You know, with the head wraps, it has a meaning behind it too. It's different meanings. You know, the head wrap is like a protection of your head, protection of um, – you know, they usually feel like the head is like, you know, where your future is, where your future starts from. So it's like a protection when you have the headpiece. And the headpiece also represents royalty. So it has mm. different meanings. Royalty, it's protection. It's, and, you know, when women walk in and they have like the headpiece that's been placed on their head, that's been made specifically you know, it's it's a lot of work that goes into the headgears when they put on their head because it's not so easy to create. Um, I know. Like for Europe, yeah, like Yoruba now, um, for example, like a few times I've tried to do it myself, and it's really hard. Like it's a, it's an art, it's a craft in itself. So when you have someone that that can do it very well for you, and the lady puts it on her head and walks into an event, it makes a statement when she walks in. It's mm-hmm. like ah. Uh, you know, they appreciate her, they, 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 it signifies her class, it signifies her, you know, her contribution to the society, you know, so it's, it's a lot of meaning behind the head wraps. Yeah, I know how you have the one that's called the culture crown. And, you know, when I see someone, a woman who can beautifully, you know, do a beautiful head wrap and everything, to me it is, it's like a, a crown and it's so, so beautiful to see yeah, and now you're starting to see, you know, not only African women, but you, there's a lot of African American women now who are who you see are, are recognizing that, you know, they deserve a crown. They're supposed to do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when in your, to, go ahead. Sorry. No, no go ahead. Say it's it's maybe so recent that I started to notice that maybe, for example, I'll use church, for example, you know, in the church, you know, they, most of the churches back home will say cover your hair. 
so that's a different side to it. But um, in general, I, I would say that mostly, maybe now I could say women mostly show their hair in certain events, but back back then it was like you're you're not complete without a covering on your head, even mm-hmm. re- aside from the religion side of it. But like just like Yoruba, for example, like when we go to like the parties or weddings or traditional gatherings, you are not complete without the headgear on your head. It felt like the person was seen as naked without the headgear covering her head. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, wow. so it's, it's a lot of different meanings behind it, depending on the culture or the religion. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you, you seem to be like, what I, the other thing, and I, I get what he's talking about, is how you are mm-hmm. in touch with, you know, the feminist side. Like when you do that one, you have like Sister Caro, she's a feminist, but also you talk about how mm-hmm. she's a sexual being who believes that not only men are allowed to be sexy or flaunt their sex mm-hmm. appeal, where did you get in touch with that part, that expression of the, the feminine, uh, to talk about women from that? How, where did you get that from? Ooh, it's two different things. Um, one, I watch a lot of TV shows, and there are a lot <laughs> of characters. I talk about Sex and the City, Samantha, for example, her character that, you know, she's a sexual human being and she's not afraid to say it. She's not afraid to be, to talk about it. Um, her character, you know, just, and, and, and you know, she, she, she likes to say, I love to have healthy sex. Why, you know, why can only men be allowed to do this? Women should be allowed to do that. So she's strong in what she says. She's strong in what she believes. And then being that I used to do drag, actually I still do now. I'm, I'm going back into it now. You know, I had to learn so much about women and everything they they stand for. And as time goes on, from the past to the present, even the future as it as it's um, progressing. So I feel like in you know to do drag, you need to learn so much about women. You can't just jump into the mm-hmm. dresses and jump into the makeup. You have to learn everything that they stand for and respect them, even while you're creating art that's that's from them as well. So all of that helped me into learning more about feminism and creating artwork be, um, that, that stood for or stands for feminism. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because it is, I mean, there's some, and like you said, there's many people I know, and they'll go like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, well, drag is just a man putting on a dress, but it's more than that. You know, there is that, that mm-hmm. to be able to, to get in touch with you know, the feminine side to, to when you become that. I know I've had on a guest, um, this woman, Harmonica Sunbeam, who, in fact, she's one of the drag storytellers. She started in New York. Now she's in New Jersey. And she talked about, you know, how you can watch. I've watched her. She's done, like, videos where she transforms herself into Harmonica. And there is something different. You know, it, it's a t- complete transformation. She's not just putting on a wig and a dress, you know. She's she's yes. doing that. Um, what is the when you exhibit your work and you have women come in and mm-hmm. see that and that like when I'm looking at the peripheries of womanhood or the other one I was just mm-hmm. talking about. What mm-hmm. are the impressions? What feedback do you get from women as they look at some of the work that you've done? So, for example, when I do the art shows or I have like the art talks, they love that. Um, they do question like, oh, you know, 
I just noticed you actually don't have much of, you know, male figures in your artwork. And I said, well, I, you know, I tell them, like, I appreciate women and everything they stand for. And you can see that they are so happy to hear that because they uh-huh. feel like, and a few times I've had conversation with some of them, like, they feel like, you know, it's not, even though they're, they're you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's not completed to say that women have the same equal rights. No, we're still not there uh-huh. yet. So when uh-huh. people like myself are creating these artworks, it contributes to that where, you know, women would like to end when it compares, when it, when it um when we talk about equal rights, so creating artwork, whether it's whether it's creating artwork, whether it's speaking about it on a public platform, whether it's you know different avenues people help to contribute to that, they feel like I'm one of those people adding to that, so they appreciate mm-hmm. it. They definitely appreciate it. Um, you know, of course, I get a lot of sales from women, of course, that appreciate the artwork <laughs> that I've created. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Now you talk definitely. about. I mean, I mean. And a couple of times, you know, I've heard you mention, like, the different religions. You mentioned also that you're a Christian, but you, you've talked about, you know, the different, the different types of uh, religions. And, you know, I'm looking at, at uh, through the lens, you're able to, mm-hmm. and, and even with your, your art on women, there's, there's a level that you're able to sort of, like, dig deep and get that, that sense of what it's about. Have you had conversations with people from different religions that have influenced your thinking and how you see things? Yes, I have. So it's a it's a combination of people that I've spoken to, like Christians, Muslims, idol worshippers, which is not really talked about. Um, uh-huh. Recently, I would say Nigeria is more accepting of it, but back then, idol worshippers were seen as evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's more so being accepted because we have a few gods that they worship back home, um, which is really respected. So now it's being more sort of respected. Like even though someone may not be into that, they would just respect it, you know. Um, so all of those people I've spoken to, and again, I watch a lot of TV, so I'm looking at history channels and learning things from them, um, the Hindu gods, all of that combined. Uh-huh. So these are things I see through History Channel. There, you know, um, which other one is a popular one? Um, um, Shiba. Is this Shiba? I, I can't remember. I can't remember that name, but I don't want to say the wrong name. But like the different uh-huh. gods that I see through the History Channel, and even when I have conversations with a Indian friend of mine, um, she she told me about one and. It really inspired one of another piece I did called Femi Gods. Uh-huh. Um, the the god that she was talking about was I can't remember the name right now, but it's the one with um, she has about six hands, mostly painted as purple or pinkish in, uh-huh. in color. Yeah, uh-huh. so it inspired um, one of my paintings called Femi Gods, um, where I drew the lady with three breasts. So it's like mm. I get my inspiration mm-hmm. from different different religions, different religions that people practice. You know, so it's I have conversations with them. I watch it on TV. I read about it. So all of that contributes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's just like so. And your images are like so strong. You know, of these women. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and which is which I guess. Do you ever have people like, you know, talk to about you know what these strong women. Who are the strong women in your life? 
I'm surrounded by I'm surrounded by a lot of women. Mom, my mom, my sister, my neighbor, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, TV, Beyonce, Rihanna. Uh, it's mm. everywhere, everywhere. My coworkers, um, mm-hmm. the models I see when I scroll through Facebook or Instagram, just everywhere, everywhere. Uh, women, conj- like all of like I'm surrounded by women, powerful women, influential women. All of them contribute to everything that I do today. You know, I seek advice from mostly women, to be honest. I seek <laughs> advice from mostly women. Yes. Uh, you know, no, when it comes no, to decisions, like, uh, yeah, when it comes to decisions, should I release it this day or how does this color look? Yep. I, uh-huh. I, I reach out mostly to women. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting, too, that, that you also have this influence about, like, you have your T-shirt, you have, you have a, a drawing that I'll talk about you know, Mama Africa. You know, have you been back to Africa any time recently? I haven't been back for a while. It's been like five uh-huh. years now. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, since five years. I haven't been back recently. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was planning uh-huh. to last year, but, you know, COVID happened. Right, COVID happened. You know, like I said, you need to say no more. It's like everything. Oh, I do too. COVID happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, COVID is COVID. I mean, you know, I mean, whose life hasn't it sort of messed up, you know? So, yes. um, so you've been in, um, in in New York. If you go mm-hmm. back, when do you think you might get back to Chicago? I don't know. I mean, we used to every year. I mean, it used to be every year is my thing to go to um Chicago for the Esteem Awards, and then of course COVID happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was but, there but, the year before COVID. Was it in a church? No, um, I actually had a book signing um, that the the year before. So I actually went the year before COVID. I had a book signing at the Center on Halstead. Okay, okay. I think yeah. no, I might not have gone that year, or, or did I? No, I probably didn't get to, I came the day of, you know. Uh, so, um, wow, okay. that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, that, is, yeah. that is really, that is Chicago, really Chicago is like my, my second home, so I, I go mm-hmm. there a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, you know, the esteem words are always nice. I always meet the best people and see things. Um, so I know you have an online store. And in your Facebook post, you talked about, you know, how people are are able to purchase shipping. Is it still your goal to have a bricks and mortar store with your with your goods, or are you always going to do it online? You know, it's definitely one of the goals. Definitely one of the goals. I would love to have it physically. Like, it's something I always tell people that. So, for example, like when COVID happened, you know, everything was online and. Not to say that mm-hmm. I don't do well online, I do pretty okay, but there's something that about physical, being in the physical, you know, realm, like, you know, being, seeing people face-to-face. People are able to have a conversation. You can feel their aura. You can feel their energy. You can ask, they can ask all the questions they want to ask at the moment because online is like a short span for people. You know, they're seeing something that pops up on their screen, maybe one 
maybe one of the celebrities just dropped the makeup and they just leave your shop and go to the celebrity's shop. So, you know, their attention span is very short. And I feel like with in person, they're, you know, I can connect with them more. You know, there's something about connection that keeps people coming back to shop some more. You know, mm-hmm. versus online where they just shop and they don't really have a conversation with you. But when they have met you in person, they've had a conversation around how you produce this product, it keeps them coming. It keeps them coming to the point where they'll be like, even now I have some customers that they'll be like, and I don't mind, they'll be like, hey, hold that purse for me. I'm going to California. Mm-hmm. I can't afford it now, but hold it for me. And I don't mind mm-hmm. because it's someone <laughs> I'm connected with, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I definitely would like to have something in person. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And, and what part of New York are you in? I mean, Manhattan. Manhattan. You're in Manhattan. Okay, well, hey, you know, yeah. New York, you know, you can get around. I have, I know a lot of people, some who are in Manhattan, some who are in the Bronx, some who are in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you know, all over. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I certainly want to make sure people know where you're at. Well, we're going to take our first yeah. break here. And then when we come back, okay. I want to go into another part of your artistry. So we'll be right back. Yeah. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and I have a very special guest, um, uh, Bielden Abadou, who's, he's in New York. We talked about your art, but you're also a writer, and I know I was looking online, and, and in your things, you have four books, um, two are semi-fictions. I mean, I know that you said, I read on one, they said that you was, part of it was talking about life. And then you have two books of poetry. Where has writing, how did you find time to write? I mean, you do all this amazing art, but what made you decide particularly to write fiction? You know, um, when it came to writing, it just, I, it wasn't a plan. Like, it wasn't something I thought of when I was small. It just ran. I just randomly started to write things in my diary of any personal experiences I've had, hurt, pain, whether it's pain, whether it's love, whether it's a crush I had on someone, whether it's thoughts that I never really tell anyone, and I just wanted to keep it in my diary. So I started to write it in my diary, and eventually I was like, you know. And when I met a few people along the way, you know, we had similar stories. I was like. You know, I want to put a book together because I'm sure there are other people out there that are experiencing the same thing, and, you know, mm-hmm. there's, they could find hope when they read their story. So that's how I started with Tales of My Skin, um, being that I met a friend of mine, Tunde, and, you know, we 
talked about his experiences. We talked about the danger, the, the situations that led to the, um, dangerous situations, looking for love in the wrong places. You mm-hmm. know, when you come from Nigeria, for example, and you come here, no one really gives you a handbook that says, oh, this is where you should go to look for a potential partner. This is how you should prepare for sex. Nobody really does that. There may be avenues for that maybe prepare you for how to have safe sex, but a lot of us are very shy to go to those places because maybe sometimes, you know, when you approach um, those particular um, places, they may not be patient enough to answer all your questions. They may mm-hmm. have a facial expression that facial expression that seems judgmental, and then now you don't want to come back and ask your, your next question. So, you know, I thought, let me write a book that shares experience and, you know, so that other people can see that they're not alone, that we're in this together. We can find ways to accomplish what we need to and make sure we don't get into danger, looking for love in the wrong places. So that's how I started um, Tales of My Skin. And from there, I was just energized. I was so motivated. (laughs) And I started to write some more. And I kid you not, I, you know, I, I have a day job, and everybody asks me the same question, how do you have time? I kid you not, as soon as I get home, I am one of those, as soon as I get home, shower, eat, put on TV, and I bring out my laptop and start working. I give myself like an hour to settle down, and I start working the show. I start working till like 2, two o'clock, sleep, wake up at 7 to prepare for work again. <laughs> Until I, I completed it, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Also from Chicago, um, where I had two events that I went to. I also go um, to uh, a conference that they used to have about this time of year, which is called Bolder Than Out. And there'd be people there. Often there were, there were gentlemen who had come in. Some of them were there. I met one guy who was seeking asylum. There were other people who were visiting who were from Africa, and they talked about their experiences and persecution, and like I said, one was looking for asylum. Um, one talked about mm-hmm. how he had left everything behind in Africa and came here, and much like what you were saying, trying to mm-hmm. find that spot, you know, where do you fit in, mm-hmm. who do you fit in with. You know, mm-hmm. have you, yes. after these, both of these books came out, and I'm talking about Tales of My Skin and Stolen Sanity, have you had conversations with other people uh, who are from Africa who talked about their experiences, particularly gentlemen who identify so much, particularly with tales of my skin? Yes. I received emails of people that feel like the book was literally written about them because mm-hmm. there's a lot. There's a lot that, that people don't talk about. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying not to be as graphic, but the best way I can put it is, you know, it's like, like preparing for sex, like the different things. Nobody really talks about it back in Africa. Mm-hmm. So everybody, see, like most people seem to be educated about it here and they already know how to do it. So when you present yourself to someone, depending on who it is, they may laugh like, oh, you don't know how to do that. You should know. But no, we don't know because, number one, it's not even allowed. You're not, you know, it's, it's taboo back there. So mm-hmm. who's going to teach you over there when everyone is trying to protect themselves, you know? And when it comes to looking for love, like back home, you know, we, at least back then, from what I remember, now it's different. Back then, there wasn't really, we really weren't on the internet to look for someone. So, and places to meet, it was really tough because, you know, when they had parties catered to LGBT in secrets, 
you know, the police could barge in there and arrest people mm-hmm. for 40 years. So it's, uh, it's a fearful situation. So when you come here, it's like, wow, it's freedom here, at least to, to you know, at least most, mostly freedom, but, you know, we know that some things are still not um, where it's how it's supposed to be. But let's just say, like, it's mostly freedom compared to Africa. And when you – it's like throwing a kid in a candy store and they don't know where to begin or how to begin. You know, they don't know how is the best way, how is the safest way, where you shouldn't, who to talk to, who you shouldn't talk to. You don't know. So every, uh, most people that I, I spoke to felt the same way, like, when they first got here. And, you know, they learned along the way. Like, the, the, the different things that happened to them, they learned along the way similar to Tunde. Even though most of the situations were dangerous as well, like Tunde, but um, they did, you know, it was a learning experience to them, thank God, um, that they're still alive, they're, you know, still healthy and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know how it is because, you know, I know how it is, especially when you write something and sometimes it's like from a lot of experiences all rolled into one, but often you'll have someone go, is that about me? Did you know me? You know, mm-hmm. or that's my mm-hmm. story. Yeah, that's my story. Yeah. And it's, yes, and you even get people saying, um, well, for now it's like at this point I, I, it's, it's like an argument with people. People always think that the, the entire story is about me. And it's not. <laughs> yeah, I said, no, it's not. Yeah. Do you ever want to say, it's about me? <laughs> so now I'm, like, tired of, like, saying it's not. So i just like, oh, yeah, okay. If, if, if you feel it is, then okay. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. I noticed that, that stolen uh, sanity continues the story of a friend, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yes. How did he feel about you sharing his story? Stony Sanity is a Funka. She's a female. So Stony, um, Stony, um, Tales of My Skin was a male and, and um, Stony Sanity oh, okay. was a female. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, in Chicago is a very huge Nigerian community, and I met both of them along the way, even while I was at school. So you know, when they shared their story with me and they were open to me writing about them. So that was a, um, an amazing experience, learning everything that's happened to her. And with her, oh, oh, my gosh. You know, a lot of people don't talk about this enough. But mm. things, uh, sometimes single mothers are just as toxic or could be just as toxic as an absent father because mm. some single mothers... Um, they punish their children based on every time that they look at their child, they think about the father that walked out, uh, walked out on them, that cheated on them, that abused them. So they channel that anger on the child unknowingly. Mm-hmm. And by the time they realize it, it's too late because that child no longer loves them. And that's why a lot of parents grow up and they're just thrown into the nursing homes and nobody really understands what happens to why the kid never visits them, why the kid never calls. There's a lot of things that happened while that child was younger. And a lot of people don't talk about when is home training, what the borderline of home training, because a lot of parents feel throwing a shoe at their child is part of their home training. That's what they feel. Some parents think, Throwing the remote control is part of home training. Mm-hmm. You know, when is it too far? We don't talk about that enough. 
when is it too far when um, a child comes to a pastor and says, my mom hit me with her heels and that's why I'm bleeding? Instead of the pastor to, you know, get involved, ask what's going on, intervene, he would instead say, oh, you probably were stubborn, so let me pray this spirit of stubbornness out of you. That's what mostly happens, you know. So this is what um, Funke dealt with, and that's what I wrote in the story. So when you read her story, you see all of this pain and abuse, even to the point that um, the uncle was sponsoring the family. Mm-hmm. You know, he helps out with the family, and the mother knows that Funke was abused, but she can't say anything because their source of income is coming through that uncle. So they are mm-hmm. to hush, they are to keep quiet. So it's a really, really sad and deep story, um, but I wanted to share it because people need to know that these things are actually happening, and we don't talk about it enough. So with well, you know, story, um, through stolen. Uh-huh. Sorry? You know, I just went and clicked and ordered that book because, you know, I work a lot with what you're saying is so true. And not only the fact mm-hmm. that you were able to tell that story, that she shared that and allowed you to tell the story. I mean, you know, because I have worked with single mothers. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I think for any parent, you don't get a handbook to tell you how to do it. But sometimes Mm -hmm. I think that many single women don't understand the impact they have on their children, often on their sons, how the sons will grow up to be the men that they're going to be by observing not only how their mother is treated by men, but how she interacts with them. And, you know, and the hard things, and like you said, you know, how we don't talk about it. It's sort of like what happens in that home, we don't care, you know, as long as they show up. And that is so important. What insight did you get? Did you, did, as you listened to it, did you have a moment when you thought about the strength that maybe your mother had or what what you lessons you learned from your mother. I mean, mm-hmm. your mother was a single, but, you know, things that you were like, wow, women are doing this. Did you, as you listened to her story, did, it, did you think like, wow, my mother was strong or I'm so glad that my mother took a moment and did this for or with me, you know, so mm-hmm. that I knew I was loved? Yes, um, there were plenty moments um when i call, mm-hmm. when i think of the the really intense things that happens it made me thankful for my mother you know listening to the story because what her mother did when you read the book it's like mm-hmm. wow that she really did that it, it really surprised me every time that i had to you know kind of touch myself because even when she's telling me her story my responses I had to be careful of how I responded, making sure mm-hmm. I was not upsetting her by my responses. But inside of my mind, I'm like, wow, this really happened? It made mm. me thankful for my, of my mom. Like, wow, I'm so glad my mom wasn't like this. Now, you know, my mom is a single mother, but she never treated us in that manner where it was so intense that a child would be feeling like she wishes she never woke up the next day. That's mm-hmm. how Funke felt. It mm-hmm. was that intense. So, yes, I, you know, I had a couple of moments where I, I was thankful for my, my mom. And you went home and gave her a big hug, and she said, what's that for? And you said, just because. <laughs> <laughs> just because, mom. You know, oh, wow. 
I mean, you know, I, not yeah. only I am ordering the book, like I said, because sometimes when I work with women who are in transitional housing and who are doing that, and to sometimes to sort of when they, by reading that kind of story, you know, they can talk about what their experiences are, and mm-hmm. it can be transformational, you know? Yes. Yes, I mean, even in the really, book I talk about... Yeah, even in the book, I talk about family gatherings. Um, you know, I wanted to make sure I, I, I mentioned that because, you know, even if the parents are, it's not a single mother or if, 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 even if they don't have that single mother or single father, but when even as they have both parents, a lot of times families don't do family dinners anymore, like sitting on the table and talking about what uh-huh. happened during their day. How was work? How was school? A lot of families don't do that anymore. You know, and that's why the children go outside to seek advices from their peers that may lead them astray. You know, they feel fearful to talk to their father or mother about sex, say sex, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, most parents don't want to have that conversation. You know, so those are the things I touched on as well because um, she shared that as well, that that was never a thing for her. She never experienced a family dinner. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's really yeah. sad, really sad. Uh-huh. I mean, and, and you know, it's interesting, particularly now because they talk because of the pandemic, and that so many people are like everybody's stuck at home and it's doing all this. And sometimes it's just you know, you can see where those situations would come. Wow! I mean, that is mm-hmm. just like like I said, as you started, the more you, I was reading as you were talking about it, and it was like the more you talked, I said I have to have this book. It's one of those books that I can see that I want to have on my shelf, but also like I said, to take into those type of situations that will open up conversations. I think that's really just like mm-hmm. phenomenal. You know, Thank I you. write, and I, and I think I know what you mean. Like sometimes, although sometimes I have moments where, you know, it's like by the time I finish well, work day and stuff, it's like I don't feel like writing, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's there. You wrote these two books, which are kind of – but then – which, you know, I so identify with you, you flipped mm-hmm. and did poetry. Okay, I've done, po- I've done two books <laughs> of poetry. I've got a third one in the way. And often mm-hmm. after you write something serious, I've had people like, poetry? What got you, what made you think about poetry? And who inspired you to, like, take that leap and, and, and give poetry a, a shot? Okay, so... Let me tell you the truth. <laughs> so with the poetry, it I I got the um I got the motivation from Tales of My Skin actually because you know when you're online and you're chatting with people, you know sometimes the conversation may get sexual and I've noticed sometimes when I chat with people I just had a way of writing where it just it just somehow was getting to the point of the person feeling satisfied from their end. But on my end, when I'm writing it, it's poetic. So I'm like, mm-hmm. huh, I should make a poetry book. And this was back when I started to write Tales of My Skin. So the thing is, I had started writing the poetries since then, but I just never decided to do anything with it. I included a few of them um, when Tunde told me how he used to, when he showed me his charts and how he used to talk to them. So I just morphed it into poetry to give it that little, you know, spice. 
Mm-hmm. But I knew I wanted to do something with the, po- the poems, but I just never knew when the right time was. And during the pandemic, it was like the perfect time because a lot of people are home. And, you know, I decided like, oh, this is the perfect time. And actually when I did um, release them, I actually, when I was going through my emails, I even noticed that, oh, my God, I actually had some even way before I told my skin that I didn't even notice I had in my emails. So I added them. So mm. I even surprised myself, like, oh, my gosh, I was really sexual when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> so I added a few of those. So that's how I put everything together and created a book with all of the pieces that I had, you know, stashed up and saved. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, <laughs> I mean, don't let, well, well he's going to listen. Phil's going to listen. Let me tell you, because. I was always, you know, I write a lot of serious stuff, and I started to do poetry. The next thing I knew, mm-hmm. I mean, after the esteem words, he said, you're part of the entertainment. I want you to do some poetry. And that was just like, okay. <laughs> and I had, and I mean, it's one thing, you know, like to write it, but to get on mm-hmm. a stage in front of people. And I mean, I think I thought about three years in a row, he was like, I've got you. And Michelle was going to do that. And I was like, okay, but. There was something about it, you know. So mm-hmm. don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if he if he pulls oh you up there. But, mm-hmm. but, oh um, <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I can recall once. Uh, this is go, you're going to get it. You know how you talk about the emails? I can remember that. Mm-hmm. Somebody mm-hmm. broke up with me, okay, and she wrote mm-hmm. me this note, and I was like, and I looked at it, but you know what? It was okay because, you know, I wasn't really feeling her. So I read this note, and I looked, and mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I could do that better. And I made it into a poem. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 I mean, that's I know, how it is. Uh-huh. I mean, that's what I tell you. I mean, I know exactly how you is because sometimes mm-hmm. you'll hear something, and uh, someone will will say something, and it will, like, Mm-hmm. You'll pull that thread, and next thing you know, boom, there's a poem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, boy. To the point funny. that sometimes I would just look at, I don't know, just look at certain objects and just, you know, test myself and just write a poem all based on that one metal can, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Do you find, you know... Do you do you enjoy writing one form more than the other, or does it all just sort of whatever your mood is, that's what you go with? To be honest, it's I would say whatever my mood is. To be honest, because mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm involved, I do different ones. So it's, it's I would say whatever my mood is. To be honest, mm-hmm. because like for example, the the third one was all sexual. And then uh-huh. with the fourth one, I was like, no, I just want to do love, pain, and recovery. So it really uh-huh. depends. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, really? I mean, you know, it, it, it's so fun. When you, when you go from, you know, when you do one that's about sexual things, do you have, have you ever, mm-hmm. um, like people who have heard or read other things, and then they read that, do you ever get any feedback from them like, wow, you know, we didn't know you thought that, you know? Or that you okay, had to... so <laughs> so here's the thing. I was really nervous to put. I think I was even more nervous to put the, um, the, this um, sexual um, poetry book out more than I was nervous when I was writing Tales of My Skin or releasing Tales of My Skin. Mm-hmm. 
because I was so nervous of people's reaction, like, oh, my God, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what uh-huh. they would think. Uh-huh. I kid you not, um, I've noticed that people are in love with this, the, the sexual one. They yeah. may not, you know, you know, you have everyone supporting you by posting it when they buy all of that. But I notice a lot of people may not repost it, but they're in my direct messages telling me how they love it, but they can't post it because they don't want people looking at them crazy or feeling so bad. And I, I kind of understood that that may happen because it's such a sexual book. Uh-huh. So I kind of understood that. And actually, it wasn't surprising because another thing happened, um, Walmart picked up my book on their online store, and they didn't pick up the other one. They picked up this one. So it made me feel like, well, maybe, yeah, maybe it is true sex sells. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, you know, uh, it does, you know. It's funny, though, because how you said how Walmart picked it up. And I know I was at a a conference in Washington, D.C., and I had – was talk, and in fact, it was one of those ones where you had uh, writers and stuff, and there were people there mm-hmm. who said, like, they would write this other stuff, and they'd write it, write it, write it, and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. The first time they hit on sex, it was like, boom, you know? <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. Like, now, don't get me wrong. A lot of people love Tales of My Skin. Women, men, they love Tales of My mm-hmm. Skin. But that forbidden scripture is giving Tales of My Skin a run for her money. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like a competition. <laughs> Uh-huh. I'm actually like, wow, like, wow. I really do feel like if not for the pandemic, it would even do way better than it is now. I feel like because from what I could do from my end of being at home online, it's doing really well, but I feel like it could always do even better once we're out back to normal. Uh-huh. So yeah. when, you, when, you, when you wrote Forbidden Scriptures, now I know if your mother – anything like my mother was, like anything I did she wanted to see. Did you say, did you say maybe you don't want to read this one, Mom? Okay, so my mom read Tales of My Skin. I, I, you know, I was already, like, nervous because she kept on calling me every chapter. Um, <laughs> with Forbidden Scriptures, I honestly just made sure she didn't grab this one. <laughs> I I kept it away from her. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just could not. No, I could not. And then her response was like, well, I gave birth to you, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> I know something. Yeah, sex is not new to me. I'm like, you know, you're right, but I just don't want you reading this book. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, this is a yeah. combination that you don't want them to read it, but then also if they read it, and they get it. Maybe mm-hmm. that's something that you don't want to know about her. You don't want to see how that. Exactly. Um, I feel like she may have gotten my sister to give her one of, you know, because my sister grabbed some copies. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, hey, my sister might have given her. <laughs> <laughs> I think my sister might have given her one. Oh, uh, uh, wow. Yeah, but. Uh-huh. I'm like, I just don't want to know. I don't want to know. Please don't tell me about it. I don't want to know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the thing, she just don't want to know, you know, and you don't want her to know, although you know that she knows, but you don't want her to know. Wow, that's, that's okay. cool. 
Okay. Well, we're going to take our second break, and I want to talk a little bit more about po- about your poetry. And because it's National Poetry Month, we're going to get you to do a poem. So we'll be right back. Oh, okay. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. Here on collections by Michelle Brown, and um, uh, that that story. I mean, that is just, that you still have me laughing about that. You know, no, mom, I <laughs> I had yeah, to because I, I can't like, imagine. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want her to read it. I'm like, mm, if you get it, get it on your own. Don't let me know. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you know, the next time you go home for a holiday and everybody's sitting around there, yeah, we read that book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it would be topic. Oh. It would be a topic. <laughs> <laughs> I I like that, you know, and and you know, like you said, even though we are all sexual beings, there's still that level mm-hmm. of taboo. But you know, it's like, why not write about it? And uh, it doesn't mean that the next person might might want to run out there and tell all, but they can read about it. And like you said, and to recognize that, that that's a part of you too. How often do you hear, particularly in the LGBTQ community, people who say when they first realized that they were gay, that they didn't think there was anybody else like them or that maybe nobody mm-hmm. else felt that way. So mm-hmm. it's okay. to. I mean, it's good to have these books. Maybe, you know, you can read it and you can, like you said, become more comfortable in your own skin. And that's really, you know, that's what's important, to be able to be more comfortable in your own skin. And I think that a lot of these things wouldn't be as, quote, unquote, forbidden if more people were comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. I I agree. That's it. So... Okay, so you've got two books of poetry out there, okay? Which one yes. do you want to read? Are you going to t- give us a poem from? No, I, I, I would let you help me pick because I don't know if, <laughs> I, you know, I like, I, I don't mind reading from Forbidden, but I don't know if, if, if I'm allowed to read from the sexual, so I will let you let me know if I should read from Forbidden or Open Letter. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm gonna make you do one from each. <laughs> okay. 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 I don't mind. All right. So I, I, I'm going I don't to mind read either, this. <laughs> this is a, a crowd favorite. 
okay. from Forbidden Scriptures again. It's called Holy Foreplay. So it's like a, of a play of words with religion and sex, but, you know, hope, uh-huh. you know trying not to offend anyone. Uh-huh. So it's called Holy Foreplay. It goes, knock on my door like a Jehovah Witness. Flip open my biblical scriptures. Part my thighs apart like the Red Sea. Lick my soft and sacred private chapters. Put your fingers in between my verses. Pull out your rod and staff so my heavens can open. Put me on the altar and worship my body. Find redemption in my house of salvation. Go deep in my temple so my river now can flow endlessly down my thighs. Continue to build my Tower of Babel so I can speak in different languages. Ah. Let there be complete satisfaction at the midnight hour. Perform a miracle so I can be converted into a saved soul. Let your mighty David defeat and tame my little Goliath. Then baptize, then let me, bat my tar, let me baptize myself in your creamy nutrients so I can be anew. <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. I love it. Thank you. I, Thank I you. Do. I, I do. You know, that, that whole play on the whole, that is, I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Woo. That's yes. one of the crowd favorites. <laughs> I bet it is. I bet it is. Because, you know, it's one of the ones, the words you're using, it really makes you think. It gives you this whole visual sensation. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm giving you several snacks, several snacks. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yes. Okay. What's next? Yay. Okay. Um, you know, I might read this one. It's called, um, this is from Open Letters from Within. It's called uh-huh. Take Me Back. What inspired me is appreciating what we had back then and how now technology just came and we don't do certain things like we used to before. You know, I miss some uh-huh. things back then. Uh-huh. So it, it's called Take Me Back. Take me back to our respectful era where our men opened the door for women. Let's go back to a time when privacy was a thing, where our women kept their relationships private. Bring back the shows like Moesha so we can watch Mm. something we can relate to. Take me back to the motherland where our neighbors became family. I would like to take a walk on memory lane through the love letters and family albums. Can I take a break from emails and text text messages so I can appreciate written letters once again? Mm. Yes. Yes. Yes, I'm telling you. Yes, you know, how many Zoom calls can you take in a day? Pick up the phone and call (laughs) me, you know? Yes, oh, yes, preach. Yes. (laughs) You know, you know, um, you know, and and part of it also inspired me is that um, when I, when people buy things from my store, I always do the handwritten um, cards. I I just like the regular card, but I handwrite my messages. And I've noticed people are so shocked by that. They really appreciate that because I'm guessing they just thought I would just type it because most people just type the messages. But I have write it. 
you know, people appreciate that. So when I see those reactions, I'm like, I guess people can relate to what I'm saying, but I really, would, I really appreciate how some things were before technology came. Mm-hmm. I'll you tell know? you, you know, I, I was a big one to do like the open mics and, and to do that. And there's mm-hmm. something about that feedback from people or if mm-hmm. or if, if somebody gets something that you do and then you get that feedback from them and like yeah. you said, that note and you know, I'm ordering to I'm I'm ordering each book and I, I'm I'm gonna be looking for what you write to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, but there but there mm-hmm. is there's something about that when you do connect connecting with people, um and you know it might be a different experience, but you go like, mm-hmm. yes, yes, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you. I think I did two Zoom calls today. What you said was just what I needed, but I was just thinking, you know. Yeah. And um, Even I was having a conversation with my friend um, last week, and we were just talking about relationships, dating, all of that. And she just says, you know, for her, with the men that she's dated, she can't remember when last a man opened the door for her when they got up mm. from the car. She can't remember the last time a man was like, just wear a dress, come downstairs, I, I, I have something planned. She said what mm. it is now is she has to come up with the ideas of what they should do on the date, and it's frustrating for her. Mm-hmm. So it's just part of what this poem talks about. Like, back then it was just, you know, even though there wasn't a manual, but, like, people just got it. They just understood how it's supposed to be done how you're supposed uh-huh. to appreciate someone. But now it's like, I don't know, you want the person to teach you how to, to do the basic things. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that, how you're talking about, that makes you think, I, I think that that one that you would especially in these days <laughs> when we've been isolated <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, I, I, I don't mind getting a text message from my friends from time to time. But you know what? Mm-hmm. There, during this time, after a certain point in time, I made it a point to either buy a card and send it to them with something written in it or pick up the phone and call people, you know, because true, it's like, true. yeah, it's easy to do all this stuff. You know, it's real easy to shoot mm-hmm. your text, you know, but to, to be able to, to talk to someone and, and to say something, a word, a letter, a card, shoot, even a postcard yes. sometimes. You know, it's, oh, it's the, something that makes you feel really I, I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, do they still use postcards? But nobody could answer me. All my friends I texted, nobody knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if they do. I feel like I just see them at the airport, but I don't know. <laughs> Passing, you know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Things have really changed, and, you know, with this technology era, it's like, oof. Even the, uh, I, I was going to mention the kids now, like, they're so on, they're always on their iPads, on the laptop, on TV. They don't even know how to just go outside and play with their friends. Just, you know, because back in the days, you know, we could, like, back home, for example, we could easily make friends with, with the kids outside. We don't even need a, a PlayStation or any of that. We always found a way to have fun without technology. We could, you know, we just did, I don't know, like, 
grab a dragonfly, put a rope around it, you know, they just, we find ways to have fun without technology. But now it's like the kids need an iPad, and they're always on the iPad. <laughs> I know, you know, and it's sort of like, you know, or, or to read a book, you know, to read a book, yes. you know, and there's something about that. And, you know, and I've talked to so many people, and that's the beauty of books. I've talked to so many people who mm-hmm. will tell you that in reading books, it helped them realize mm-hmm. that there was a world beyond what they were seeing or that they could be mm-hmm. more than, mm-hmm. you know, what they might be learning at school, that other people had gone forward. And to me, you know, books are so important, you know. And, yes. and, and I hope that, and I hope that people always continue to write. I have to tell you, I write, you know, I've, I've got a couple of children's books in the works now, Ooh. and uh, people say mm-hmm. like, "Oh, well, kids don't don't do it." I said, "Well, you know what? You don't know who's going to be that one kid who will see it will. and go like, you know, yes. I can write and tell their stories." Or when you're in, when you go to a school, or if you have someone who sh- shows up at one of your your with your reading, and like it's like we were talking mm-hmm. about before, who will hear this and know like, "Hey, I'm not the only person who feels like this." Or yes. I want to meet someone, you know, who will make mm-hmm. me feel that way. You know, so yes. that's what's important about those words and, and to be able to do that and to talk and to tell them. I mean, you know, I love your art, you know. Thank I'm going to get hooked on you. I love the artwork. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Thank you so much. I love your books. You're going to see I've already ordered uh, uh, three books, you know. Um, I, because I well, love books, you. you know, I, I think if you came to my home, you'd see I have art on the walls and tons of books, you know, because that, that, oh, that's just like, you know, everything to me. Um, what's the best way for people who want to be able to see your artwork, to order your books, what's the best way mm-hmm. for them to, to find you? Okay, so... On my website, for example, if they want to get the book signed, if they want signed uh-huh. copies, the best way is shop.biodumabadu.com. Biodumabadu uh-huh. spells B-I-O-D-U-M, last name A-D-U-D-U.com. Um, over there, they can order um, books. I can sign it for them, mail it. But if they prefer, because some people do prefer Amazon and that, that option is there. So they can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Walmarts. Um, those are like the three main companies that I carry my books online. I do have the e-versions for tablets and iPads as well if they're interested. Uh-huh. Yes. And um, if they are on social media, I'm on Instagram as well. Abidu, B-I-O-D-U-N-A-B-U-D-U. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Okay. So those are the usual oh. places. And they can... Feel free to direct message me. Um, I'm always online. I always check my messages. I'm always there to ask the questions. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, I have so totally enjoyed talking to you. Um, Thank you. I will probably, I mean, if I don't see you in Chicago next time I'm in New York, I'm going to let you know I'm coming here. And, yes, uh, please. I mean, you know, there's so many things that you said that really, like, it's like, wow, I know that. I know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> your, your art is beautiful. 
Your poetry you so is beautiful. I mean, you know, I owe Phil one for this interview. I mean, I mean you, you are all, all of that. Um, thank you so much. Again, I want and I'm to grateful you. for the opportunity. I'm grateful for your kindness, your communication. It truly was an honor to be on your platform to discuss everything that I'm doing. And I'm hoping as people hear this, they feel inspired, they feel motivated, they feel like they should continue going because they always should remember problems are temporary. They're never permanent. You can always, yeah. it's never too old to succeed. So keep going, everyone that's listening to this. Keep going. Be consistent. Consistency is really, really important. So I'm grateful again, Michelle, and I can't wait to meet you in person. Oh, yeah. I'd like to thank my guest, artist, author, and entrepreneur, Bayodun Abdul. He has an online boutique called Ola, O-L-A, where you can find his books and art, along with accessories from bags, head wraps, fans, and more. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Block Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.